Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike. People who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry. And if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curl up in a school? Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On the Facebook, at In the 608. Well, hi there. I'm Adam Elliott, former Madison radio personality. And I'm Ben Anton, broker associate with the Lauer Realty Group. And welcome to our podcast, Real Estate in the 608. It's a podcast, as we said, if that's not clear yet, where we bring in a guest each time to talk real estate. We're going to recap the high and low sales prices in Dane County aside the market update with Asher Messino and also enjoy the top of the hour tip. Part of our thing is that we like to surround ourselves with people we consider smarter than us, which is a growing list every day, it seems like. <laughs> One of the smarter than us people that comes on each month is Phil Plord, my business partner and president of Blimling and Associates, a division of Dairy.com. He'll be in with his look beyond the 608. And we try to keep it local, too. You'll hear music from artists right here in the 608, including some who have just released albums and some who are on tour this summer. Kind of fantastic. <laughs> we will also be joined once again by Asher Mussino. Welcome, Asher. Thanks, guys. Also, they have a, a special connection with uh, this this month's guest. Uh, Asher helped our guest, Shannon Davis, find her most recent home. Oh, yes. cool. And, yeah, and we've been friends for like 10 years. So then you probably have, you know, over beers, talked about um, how to make your attic into a habitable space. Because that's why Shannon is joining us today All right. to talk about... Your attic. And Shannon is with Building Inspection and Planning with the City of Madison. This will be our third, our third uh, guest from the aforementioned City of Madison Building Inspection Division and Planning and blah, 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 blah economic <laughs> development <laughs> and community planning department. We're pulling the city wonks in this podcast. That's who we're getting in here all the time. All right. Uh, let's talk about some headlines, Ben. We talked a lot about a home that I purchased and renovated on Second Street. Yeah, last yeah. and it was about a year and a half ago that that uh, that I bought it, and I'm going to sell it to the tenants. So this is like oh, a like okay. a happy little story. The the people that live there they started to like it a lot. I started to think about boy, it would be a great time to sell that place. I decided that it might be best both it might be it might be as good for me and better for them to to let them explore or undertake a purchase in advance of it ever hitting the market or it, or oh, without okay. without it being formally listed. So, well they'll have like an intimate knowledge of the house. Yeah, and, the, and it the sounds ins- like the inspection went pretty well. It did. I would, I would assume <laughs> things would be as such. So, it didn't start off as like a rent to own scenario, but you kind of got to that space. All right. It sounds like a happy ending. Did you offer to sell it to them first or did they ask to buy it first? I offered to sell it to them first. And they jumped at it? They did not jump at oh, all. Interesting. They decided that they would be most comfortable executing the purchase with representation of their own. That was something that I did not necessarily anticipate. Um, I thought I could save uh, everyone some time, frustration, and money uh, without the involvement of a second 
real estate agent. Um, so I had to hold firm to my, maybe even bump up my ask a notch to mm-hmm. accommodate okay. a buyer's agent uh, compensation. It's sounding <laughs> like this was a thumbs up uh, yeah. overall. So a real po- a real kind of positive experience. And, and it was just, I guess, a, an example of roll with the punches and what feels right and still doing the right thing and, and making it all work for everybody. All right. That's, that's what's awesome. been going on from the headlines. Let's talk about what other people are saying about our podcast. What is, I... I hope that little bit of... Of happiness? That little <laughs> bit... Offset what we're about to talk about? <laughs> that little bit of useless cutesy fluff I included about my most recent sale. Each month, we're going to feature a, a new review in the hopes uh, of, of convincing you to leave a review as well uh, at your favorite podcast portal like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or uh, SoundCloud or wherever the hell you're going to listen. your flavor. Where, so you're going to leave us a review, and then I will read it here. And then when you hear it, you reach out to me, and I, and I send you what is now actually a thing, the Real Estate in 608 Travel Mug or the Real Estate in 608 Ball Cap. Either of which will be accompanied by a uh, a water saving shower head as well as two sink aerators from Focus on Energy. Even when you get those things, even when the review comes in at two stars, so I, <laughs> we don't so look at how generous we are. Right. So so because because not enough of you are leaving new reviews, <laughs> I have to read this one. <laughs> Because it was the only new review. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's fair. Like, you never get 100%. As, is, that, you know, is this really fair? There's always detractors like, out there. I don't think it's that fair. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Here. Could be better. <laughs> Two stars. I'm a property owner and investor in the 608 area. I get very little out of this podcast. There are useful tidbits scattered within... But there's so much useless, cutesy fluff (laughs) that I rarely listen. And when I do, it's only to hear a specific person. Uh, But thank you, Nat52627. We'll be looking for your email and and maybe even your uh, reviews on on our swag. I mean, we could actually kind of flip this. They say I get very little out of this podcast, which means they do get something. They get something <laughs> out of the podcast. They useful say, tidbits. I don't get nothing. And they said there's useful tidbits. Scattered <laughs> within. Scattered. That's great. That's I know. All what? over the place, useful tidbits. Scat. There was one. I think that was part of our mission statement when we put this podcast together is to scatter useful tidbits. In between the local music. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, so, maybe he's not from around here. And I'm assuming it's a he. I don't know that. It could uh, it could be anybody. All but right. thank you. Yeah. Uh, for for providing us with uh, some useless cutesy fluff uh, <laughs> to read about in between the tidbits. Oh, those are our podcast reviews. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to welcome in Shannon Davis from the city of Madison with the building inspection unit, and it's also the planning unit. Do we do we know what Shannon's focus is there? I mean, Asher, you might actually because you plan. plan Plan review sold, specialist. Yeah. Plan review specialist. Okay. Three. So we need to know about that too. That's uh like, I mean that's getting the senior plan, level. Is there a plan review specialist too that like <laughs> you need to get their coffee? <laughs> so all right. And uh and also, as we said, former client um of Asher, and just one of the reasons, uh one of the reasons I refer to Asher as the agent to the stars. That's right. Because here here is a legitimate agent to the star moment. Shannon is a star. And she will go far. <laughs> Maybe even to plan review specialist too. 
Let's take a break uh, for the top of the hour tip. We'll be back in just a second with Asher. Hello, Liz Lauer here, owner and broker at Lauer Realty Group, a small but mighty real estate firm in the Madison market. Please tune in and enjoy the conversation and information shared from this podcast as it offers insight into the Madison real estate market and handy tips for homeowners from remodeling, interest rates, market conditions to the do's and don't evers. So sit back and enjoy the banter and have a good time. It's time for the top of the hour tip with Asher, uh, local advice from our Lauer Realty Group agent dropping by each month with the tip on how to improve your home or investment property ownership experience. Asher, why would I? Re- I saw an advertisement in the East Side News. Maybe, maybe my listeners did too. Um, our listeners, uh, why? But I felt it was kind of like scary, like a little, like a little scare tactic and hyperbolic. Um, here is the here is the headline. It's from a local real estate firm, uh, Consumer Protection Real Estate Advisory. Buyers colon. If you are interested in a home for sale, do not call all caps the listing agent. Or the sign. I'm assuming they mean the number on the sign. It is not in your best interest. Email us for further explanation. We will not retain your email address. What do you think they are trying to tell me? Well, I mean, the vibe of the ad is pretty scary, like you said. Like, they're trying to scare somebody. But really, I think they're just trying to get to the bottom of who's actually represented in a situation. So a listing agent represents the seller. If a buyer were to call that listing agent, they're not going to be represented by the listing agent, although the listing agent can assist them and will tell them, you know, I'm not here representing you, but I can assist you through this process. Every listing agent is required to give a disclosure to a buyer who they are not representing that says, you are my customer, you are not my client, my client is the seller. Right. And that, and that doesn't happen a lot. I, when I, you know, when we both list homes, we don't, we don't get a lot of people off the sign, we might call it. But why, why would you say we don't get a lot of people off the sign is because they are already engaged with... They could already be represented by a buyer's agent. Right. So really, this isn't supposed to scare you. It's more of an attempt, well, it's, it's kind of an attempt to scare you into getting a buyer's agent. Exactly. They're saying, email us for further explanation, but it's sort of like... It, They're going to explain to me the benefits of buyer agency. And then try to get you to be their client. But they won't retain, they will, we will not retain your email address. All right. So, so for the <laughs> most part, I prefer to work with my buyers as a buyer's agent. That is how... Well, absolutely. I mean, like... I, I, I want us to go that far because that is the most value that I can add. Every buyer should be working with a buyer's agent so that they are fully represented. You can work with a realtor who, you know, you don't sign a buyer agency agreement with. They wouldn't be fully representing you. They're still going to get paid the same, though. So really, letting them do their job to the best of their abilities is the best way to go. You'll have full representation and advocacy throughout your entire home buying process. Here are the three ways an agent can be acting. They can be an agent of the, they can be the listing agent. That's an agent of the seller. They could be a selling agent. And that's where that agent does not have a contract with neither the seller nor the buyer, but they will default as, as Wisconsin real estate law and realtordom works, they would default to agent of the seller. 
or you can have a contract with your agent and they can be yours and owe you their allegiance and all of their service. Buyer's agency. So there you go. It's not scary at all. If you have any questions, email me. We will not retain your email address. No. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name's Adam Elliott. Across the table, Ben Anton is my partner in crime in this podcast. We are joined in studio with Asher Messino. Asher, glad that you're here today. Thank you for having me once this, again. This is going to make the transition. We didn't talk about the transition again. Um, Adam's headed to the coast. We don't know how much time or energy he's going to be able to devote to us. So he's leaving us. So Asher is is here today in his in his uh, in his shadow, and then we'll <laughs> going forward be here in his stead. That's right. So. I, think, I think it'll be an easy transition in here because Asher, you're doing wonderful work here. Thank you. Yeah. We'll and miss you so much. Though. While, oh, thank you. while our most recent podcast review did not mention it specifically, it had nothing to do with me. It may I'm have been barely on this. It may have been left. We had a real doozy, Shannon. That's right. We have a number four to add to the group here is Shannon Davis, uh, who's a plan review specialist with the City of Madison uh, in building inspection and planning. Shannon, thanks for joining us today. So glad to be here. I I I hope this isn't a sensitive topic. I'm a little curious about the three after your name and like is two better or how long until you get to go there? <laughs> yeah, I'm level three. That's that's top level now. Oh, so, um, to be to be serious, I have recently begun doing commercial plan review, which is when you begin to do plan review level three work. And Ooh. so now I'm not only reviewing just one and two family homes, but also bigger buildings and commercial alterations. We better oh. sit up straight. We're talking to the boss here. Three. Yeah. <laughs> we all just kind of we just all kind of straighten up and float flew right here for a second. That's right. All right. So uh, we we know about Shannon. Here's a little bit that we know already. Shannon arrived in 2009 from the West Coast, mainly Northern California and Portland, Oregon. Uh, her first job here was picking raspberries on Blue Skies Farms. Uh, rented a home in the Willie Street neighborhood for 10 years, and then bought a house, as we said, with the help of Asher in the Eastmoreland neighborhood, which is just Asher. a yeah. Just a few blocks from Ulbrich Gardens in Lake Monona. Uh, she is now a plan review specialist three. There's no four. The top three of the line. Three is the top. This is it. <laughs> right. uh, with the City of Madison <laughs> Building Inspection Department. Uh, so we know all these things, but what do we not know, Adam? Well, we don't know if Shannon is fun, and there's only one way we can find I out. I know Shannon's fun. You do? Oh, you're I already thinking. knew this. <laughs> we're gonna, we're don't let play. that preempt our game. Let's still play a game here. <laughs> we're going to play a get-to-know-you game in Madison history and environs, and maybe sometimes outside of Madison history and trivia game, we call... The way it used to be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. Used to be nothing but smiling faces far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. Last Wednesday, May 3rd, marked the 42nd anniversary since this catastrophic fire at what Eastside cold storage facility? Ooh, 
I think we're talking about the Great Butterfire of 1991. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <All right. laughs> that is correct. Love that. All right, so then we've got one. Uh, by May 6th, three days after the fire, 14 plus million gallons of grease-laden material had been pumped from the fire scene into the city of Madison Metro Sewerage District's treatment systems. It's or, pretty or wild. Butter, or butter. The amount right. of butter. Butter, butter was, cheese, that was, meat, that was, cranberries. That, right. So the central, <laughs> the central storage warehouse uh, uh, was accommodating uh, bulk and uh, and bulk goods for uh, the Swiss Colony, Oscar Mayer, yeah. as well as right. USDA government surplus. So there was right. like millions of pounds of butter. There's yep. just yep. G- Google yeah. it; it's worth it. There's like some fire trucks like up to their axles in butter. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I bet that smelled amazing. <laughs> yeah, it did at first smell great. I heard from someone who was here. I did not live here at that time, but someone said it smelled great for like the first hour, and then it was terrible for weeks. Okay. Oh no! <laughs> so all right, well there we're, we're one in. We rang the bell. Um, just some of that cutesy. Useless fluff we like to <laughs> stir into the actual knowledge. Uh, true or false question on the uh, in honor of, of someone uh, today and their their boy your former former neighborhood, uh, the Wisconsin Inn. True or false? The Wisconsin Inn, the Willie Street Pub, and the Wisco are all in fact the same place. I guess I don't know the answer to that. That sounds likely. It's no. likely. Okay. It's okay. True. okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Now you can ru- hear how careful we are about answering questions <laughs> yeah, in this industry, you know? The- you never say yes if you're not sure. <laughs> that's the city. That's that's the city uh, in the other. Right. Now run by his daughter. Hannah. Hannah, oh, yeah. Hannah Alexander. The Wisco mm-hmm. was owned and run by Tiny, or Bill Tiny Alexander, for whom the now adjacent tap room is named, until his death in 2015. Yeah. So yes, oh, went by. Yeah. Yeah. He was, tap room, yeah. He, uh, the, the Tiny's tap room, for those unaware... Another little bit of QC fluff uh, was a uh, was a capital of the CC Riders Clubhouse. That's right, like yep. the like literally a motorcycle gang clubhouse. And for those who knew him, we know that Tiny was an ironic he was, name a tiny, as well. <laughs> tiny, Tiny was an ironic name. Yes, and uh, you, you mentioned the Blue Skies Farms. Where is the Blue Skies Farms? It's in Oregon. All right. True or false? The Boysenberry was named for Rudolph Boysen. Of Anaheim, California. And, and before you answer, I think we're going to need a true or false. We can't do this likely. No, this is this, this likely is true business. <laughs> this true, yeah, yeah, we're going to need a hard answer yes. on this one. True or false? Yeah, you think so? I'm going to go with true on that. Yeah, that's yeah, oh, the well well expert. Jason knowledge. <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar, the boysenberry, a very large bramble fruit, considered to be a variety of the blackberry. Possibly a cross between the blackberry and the loganberry or red raspberry or both. Wow. The dark reddish black fruit has a sweet and tangy flavor and is especially valued for its canning and preserving qualities. Mm. So, Amazing. Yeah. So just some guy. With the last name Boysen. Some guy. I like decides it. Decides he's back got... Back into berry farming. No, he's got his own damn berry. <laughs> he, sold, he sold the rights for his boysenberry to Knott's Berry Farms... And they have been and remained one of the leading producers oh. of the boysenberry. All right, not was a lot. It, of gro- was it a naming rights thing? Like not they do a lot today? grown in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a coastal 
varietal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coastal berry. Yeah. All right. Should we do an impromptu game? I will have to tell us more about that. Okay. I, th- I think, well, I think we did prove that Shannon is fun. Um, she, I just had a, like a side idea goodness. for an impromptu wow. game. Everybody's got to name berries until we run out of them. All right. Blueberry. Blueberry. Asher's in. Ben. Raspberry. All right. Shannon, you? Uh, gas cap berry. Oh, <laughs> went, went the distance. Strawberry for me. Asher. Blackberry. Booberry. Oh, what? It's, a, it's a cereal. It's cereal. not a berry. It's not a berry. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> but it's, like, it's like the ghost. The booberry. Okay. It's a thing. I don't think it's a berry, wow. though. All right. Well, All right. is that it, then? Shannon, do you got one more? Because <laughs> you had Ooh. such a wild call there. <laughs> I know. Mine were so weird. <laughs> that was the first one that came to mind. Uh, uh, currants. Currants. Okay. Currants are a barrier. All right. Okay. We'll leave her there because Shannon is our champion, and she's also fun today. <laughs> All right, Huckleberry. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Yeah. Let's take a break for the high to low of the market update with Asher, and then we'll be back to talk more about, um, we didn't say it yet, specifically, we'll be talking specifically about how to make your attic or how to make an attic into habitable space. We'll do that with Shannon right after the market update and the, t- and the, uh, and the highs and lows from the last 30 days. Azure, uh, what do we got from the high and the low this month? All right, Ben. The lowest of the low is a home in Madison that sold for 122000 It was originally listed at 89000 but it did have multiple offers. Before you'd said it's not quite the lowest, because this. Because it doesn't this, have land. It, because it's a trailer. It's a manufactured home. So somebody bought a trailer, and that and some of those are sold on the MLS, but but they're not really, they're only houses, they're not really real estate. So this was a private property sale registered on. So if that, but that's also crazy because someone listed a trailer for $89,000 and it sold for $122,000. <laughs> the, the next surprise is that the actual lowest price for a real estate included home in the entire county in the last 30 days was not a small number. It was $180,000, which I was very surprised about. Um, no no competing offers. It pretty much went for exactly what it was listed for. Two bedrooms, two full baths, 1,400 square feet, $180,000 in Stoughton. Often they are also like these old pieced together, remodeled 18 times. Like this was built in the 1900s, or like literally 1900. But it's a two bedroom with four, that's a re- 1,400 square feet is a really big two bedroom. Right. There's a lot of inefficient space. Well, and I looked at the pictures for this one and looking at that second floor, which maybe we'll talk more to Shannon about in just a moment. Good the tie-in. second floor is super low. <laughs> like so. there, was some, there was some ceiling fans there that even Asher oh, might have a problem with. Oh, no. Which says something. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you listening and not watching... Asher's only about five feet tall. No, that is, I am 5'2". Don't discount those two inches. Wow. <laughs> those, those, those two inches as a percentage are significant. All right. Uh, but yeah, so very low ceilings um, and, and wonky, like the, the different angles, the Super number wonky. of different wonky angles and levels of floor. My assumption is that the square footage is actually not accurate. 
Because because if you can't stand there, is it really square footage? It's not. That's something else we're going to learn from Shannon. We are going to learn so much. So much. <laughs> All right. What about the highest price? So there we've got the little, the okay. little piece this together one, super old house. I'm stores. actually really excited about because sometimes we talk about the highest price ones and I think they're ugly. But this one is really cool. It sold for $2.3 million in Black Earth. It was 26 acres Four bedrooms, three and a half baths, almost 4,500 square feet. It has a seven-car garage. It is a cool place. It ha- it also had like a like a bar, I guess. I, I, I was looking at the pictures. I was like, is is this, c- could, you, could you put a sign in the window, which it had. I guess it did have a sign in the window. <laughs> but like, could you open it to the public? Because this is not, this is not a garage. This is not a, a rec room. This is, this is a bar. Are we sure this wasn't the entire community of Black Earth? <laughs> <laughs> the entire was, community. Was, this was just built in 2022. Yeah, like a it's like oh. a year old. They, really they nice asked, finishes too. They asked like, for 2.7. They got 2.3 after a month on market. But unbel- set the garage that you could like eat off the floor. But then the 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 bar also had garage doors at each end. It was it was a little over the top. I liked it. It's not as gaudy as some of these places we talk about. <laughs> yeah, for with the land, you could you could have a lot of fun. Like you, like if you're gonna pay something, pay, pay this much for something. I would much rather it be this house than like a, a, a thirty five hundred square feet on the lake. Like this is this is winning. This house is is better and and gonna have a lot more fun. Mm, I might take the lake house. I'm sure there's some water in those 26 <laughs> acres. You can throw a line in or something. <laughs> or just have some friends over and then get invited to their lake house next weekend. I think that would work. What about the market in general? Have you sold any of those houses? Like, What kind of houses have you been selling this last month? I've been selling a lot of houses. Did you? Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. So I got three accepted offers last night, actually. Congrats. Somebody wow. had a busy weekend. Ring the bell up, there, man. Up Dude, late. That's great. Ring the bell. <laughs> so, I need I need affirmation. Uh, so so would you say that that level of activity is is uh, indicative of the market in general? What's going on out there? Well, the market is still super competitive, although I feel it is starting to soften. So it is still really competitive. Homes that are in really good condition and in desirable locations are still going to get multiple offers. But if someone for example, maybe lists a house just slightly too high right now, they might not get any offers that first weekend Mm -hmm. on market. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's lots of people that are waiting to scoop up those homes that don't get offers right after that first weekend. So it's not as if it won't get an accepted offer very quickly. But I mean, I've been in a couple of situations recently where there weren't a ton of offers on the table. So you kind of need that guidance to know if you're going too high. Right. right? Yeah. Totally. Like how else would you know? And it's also good for sellers right now, you know, they're hearing all sorts of stories about how people they know have sold their homes and gotten so much money and got all these amazing things. It's good for them to know that you still cannot overprice your home to begin with. Mm -hmm. If you overprice it to begin with, all those people are going to see that price and think, well, I can't bid 10% over this because they probably assume they're going to have to go around 10% over every list price. And then what happens in week two is all of a sudden you went from I can't pay over that to, oh, my God, what's wrong with that house? Exactly. People mm-hmm. ask me that every single day. And it's like, well, nothing's wrong with this house. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with it. Let's go look. Right. 
Maybe it smells like cat pee, though. It might smell like cat pee. Which sometimes is an opportunity. Smells like an opportunity. I bought a cat pee house. It is an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you very much for that market update, Asher. Let's get back now uh, with Shannon, who's who's remained with us. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, and talk yes. about converting attics into habitable space. What? Uh, yes. This is an exciting topic because this is actually what I did with my first house that I we'll got. F- we'll find, right, we'll find cool. out if you did that or committed a felony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I did it right, but <laughs> I did <felony>? it. <laughs> Shannon's going to arrest you. <laughs> so your address is no. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm probably also liable for having sold that house. I'm pretty sure we did it. I believe we represented it properly. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but I, I, I put the, I put the word, the word habitable, in quotes. What? Because I don't think that someone says I would like to turn the attic into something. They don't generally Mm -hmm. say, I would really like to add some habitable space. In my attic. Why why do we use that word and is it used intentionally? It is an intentional word. That word has, um, I I suppose, a legal definition. It's part of the code. Um, The definition section is a wealth of information in the building code and that's in there. And habitable in this sense means certain rooms that are used for certain purposes and some rooms are excluded from the habitable definition. And what habitable does in this case is it it indicates um, a few different things that are referred to throughout the building code and also what kind of uh, floor load we're looking at for that space. When Mm -hmm. I talk about a habitable use in in what was an attic, um, converting an attic to habitable, that's going to, you know, tell me whether this is going to need a 50 pound per square foot floor load or whether we're looking at just storage floor load or just insulation floor load. Um, But the definition of attic is any room you, or sorry, the definition of habitable is any room used for sleeping, living, or dining and does not include closets, pantries, bathrooms, kitchens, even storage spaces, Hmm. such things as that. Interesting. So we're not going to learn about how to put another kitchen in your attic. (laughs) (laughs) You could have a kitchen in your attic. You could, you could, but it wouldn't require natural light. So lots of details to get into down the road there. That's, that's one, the natural light thing. I didn't even put that on it, but when we get down to egress, we'll talk about, we'll talk about natural light as well as as, uh, ventilation. Um, Yes. So, uh, in general, most of the attics we'll be dealing with, or we'd be talking about in Madison, are either on the on the second or third floor. Right. Um, are, what what is if someone comes in in is that one of the first questions you might ask? Is like what floor is this attic on, and, and are yeah, they treated you differently? It. Right, right. They are significantly different, especially in terms of exiting requirements. So, second floor attic. A lot more flexibility in terms of what we can do up there if you have only a single staircase accessing that space. Um, Once you're into a third floor space, then my next question is going to be, what are you using it for? Is it an office or is it a sleeping room? Sleeping rooms in third floors require at least two exits, at least two staircases separated by a practical distance or a whole house sprinkler system. Yeah, that's good. And that... The sprink that the, everyone, a lot of people like go, oh my God, sprinklers. Right. The actual sprink, getting the sprinklers in your house is not the expensive part. The expensive part is digging up the city street. Like, <laughs> right. Like, and getting the correct water access. Oh, yeah. Right. Because you cannot, yeah. you cannot have a sprinkler system on your normal water main, like on your oh. one inch water main. Hmm. It would, it would cost, you know, it ain't cheap, 
but a plumber could come to my house and retrofit a, a sprinkler system, and that would cost X amount. But they would also need to dig up the city street to connect it to to put a bigger pipe from my house out to the water main, and hmm. and that is uh, is expensive because you literally just dug up the city street, <laughs> and that might cost like three X. Yep. Like if it's X to do the sprinklers in the home home or apartment, it's like three X or four X. To, to do the to dig up the city street, and I hope that that is one of those tidbits. Oh, uh, Shannon, I got to bring you up speed. Yeah, we read a review uh, before you came on, and he and the person said it's not that good. <laughs> but in, in reference to our podcast, in reference in to the podcast, <laughs> but, rude. But, but there are tidbits, and I would like to think that that little gem I dropped about the sprinklers <laughs> and the, how it costs more because of the street, not the sprinklers themselves. I would like to there think you go. That, that he'll appreciate that knowledge in that way. It well, you know, I think he's going to appreciate what Shannon's saying more than you. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I would agree. <laughs> Second floor versus third floor requiring, and I love this this kind of language, two stairs separated by a reasonable distance. Right. Like right. they can't be next to one another. <laughs> right, exactly. And we do see that sometimes where it's like you've got a staircase and they're like, well, can I just put one right there next to it? Well, that's oh. not going to help you if there's a fire blocking you from getting to that staircase. Yeah, so it's so it gets a little trickier when you get up to the third floor. Um, and, and there are some, except, you know, you can finish a third floor space with only one staircase as an exit. Um, but there are, there are more requirements then it can't be used for sleeping. You're limited to 400 square feet and you still need an egress window. Right. So there, there was, there was a home uh, I had on Jackson street that had a, a, an attic that was begging for being mm. habitable and mm-hmm. and uh, and I allowed it to be that way uh, while also honoring those rules. Sometimes you're going to buy a house or find a space that that kind of already exists. What happens if you end up owning a home or or you know, cuz sometimes yeah. sometimes I don't think there's any nefariousness about it, but like sure, you, right. you buy some place that clearly Uncle Ted paneled in 1974 and, right. and like there's those asbestos tiles on the ceiling yeah. and you're just like this is this is what it is you know I, bl- I will eat here sleep here or do whatever I want up here it's my house and my right. space right tell what how does that work what and it can, was already like this it was like this and I I completely understand that and honestly I would feel the same way if I didn't already work for building inspection and know too much you know <laughs> So like, you know, it, you, know much. You, you know, too much sometimes. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's like you found it this way or it, it has been that way since perhaps before there were even building codes. And, and so that, that's okay. And this is, pro- this is probably the most important takeaway I could give to any of our listeners here today. Um, people ask us this all the time. It was already like that. And so, um, this is the term that we would use for something like this. If this is, you know, an existing space, but it wouldn't be able to be built this way if it were built today. Those are called existing non-conforming conditions. 
and everybody can say this with me now. Let's all practice together. Existing, Existing non-conforming conditions. Awesome. <laughs> if somebody came up to the permit counter and said, hello, I'd like to discuss my existing non-conforming conditions, I would be so happy I would cry. With oh, I would tell them to go to the doctor. <laughs> That's not something I can handle. <laughs> it, there's sometimes crossover. Um, no, just kidding. But yeah, but so it's okay if you have existing non-conforming conditions. There are so many reasons that that would be the case. Many of us own older houses and that there's always going to be some of those. And you can keep whatever is non-conforming until the moment that you want to change it. Oh, you ain't going nowhere. You belong right here. You like eating bratwurst. You like cheese and beer. And a change to that space could be altering the space. Like maybe there was one bedroom and now you want to make two, or it was an office and now you want it to be a bedroom, or it was just storage and now you want it to be habitable. Any of those things fall into that category of alteration, change of use, or expanding the use of a space. And at that moment, that triggers needing to be brought up to current minimum building codes. So we're talking, we talked a little bit about egress like you need like that would be one of those minimum right. building code things like there right. needs to be uh, and on a second second floor bedroom the assumption is you can either leave the way you came or you can jump out the window well and it, the it, yes you do need the egress window it's not so much for jumping out of although i would if i had to but it's about um fire firefighters being able to access you at that window mm. and oh. you can out there. or the jumping so <laughs> you know. um and then, and then the other things, the other considerations uh, that that might come in um, are are illumination and ventilation because windows mm-hmm. windows have to be right. not only a certain size, like a bedroom requires uh, this many square inches of window, yes, or glazing as you professionals would say, yes, that's uh, right, for this many square feet of floor space. So it's a, like there's right. a relationship. And there's right. a similar relationship to ventilation. Like you need to open the window to let let the breeze come in. Um, right. What? So, so there. I've got this. I've got this space. It's got two windows, or a window, or a big a big window and a stair. Um, but but now I'm because you you talked a little bit about uh, about load, and yeah. I think you were talking about li- live load in a habitable right. space and dead load right. in a non habitable space. So what? So were were attics in general, even ones with stairs, were they designed to support a live load? Right, like usually not. Like if your storage, if your attic just has insulation in it right now. Then, you know, if that was built today, it would have needed to be designed to carry a five pound per square foot load. So that's not very much. If you were planning to actually have people living up there, then we would expect a 40 pound per square foot live load. And then it's supposed to be the weight of the actual materials. We usually estimate 10 pounds per square foot dead load. So you're talking about 50 pounds per square foot total to actually use your attic for habitable space. So if I'm in a basement and looking up, at the floor, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's designed to do that. But if yes. I'm on the first floor and looking up, that's not necessarily the same deal, is what right, you're saying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you have, you know, when you're standing on your first floor, you're standing on floor joist, and those were designed for that loading criteria. And you're looking up at your, you know, attic ceiling, and those are ceiling joists, and those might be much much smaller in size than the actual wood members used for the floor framing. <laughs>
talked about the, the lowest price sale in the county and mm-hmm. uh, and headroom or or ceiling height. Yes. Um, that four that that maximum of four hundred square feet is that at the point at which the ceiling reaches a certain height or what are what are my ceiling rules as it relates right, to habitable? Right. Yeah. Many of the codes um, exclude areas less than five feet. Of, with less than five feet of ceiling height from the calculations you need to do. And that's true of the 400 square feet and uh, that you need for exiting. And then that's also true of the natural light calculation. It's, you know, 8% of your floor area needs to be um, provided for a natural light in glazing square footage. Um, and you can exclude anything under five feet from that. Um, so yes, so that is, that is important, and that comes into play a lot when you get out to the knee walls of the attic when you're out at that yeah, area. If Asher, if Asher can't stand there, out. doesn't count. That's right. It doesn't count. It's a exactly. great unit of measurement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one Asher tall. Um, right. And so so let so these these folks that come to you and say I have an existing non-conforming condition. Yes. Um, and then I cry with joy. And then you yeah. cry, <laughs> both with joy, but also... I think also we should all say it again. Existing non-conforming, non-conforming condition. There we go. So yeah. good. Uh, so how, <laughs> how many of those people leave angry? Oh, like, yeah, that's a good like, question. So I, I guess my first question, or the question I would have asked without knowing the, the appropriate language was, uh, how many people are told yes and how many people are told no? Like, they yeah, come in there and yeah, they say, yeah. I want to do this. And then... Right. Um, or how many people are... Are, are told yes, but it's just, they learn that it's going to cost them so much money that there's no right. way they're going to do it. That's the answer right there because you can do anything if you have enough money. That's that's the real answer. So it's it's really about what do you want to spend to make this house into what you know your Pinterest dreams of it are. And, and can you do that? And so I will spend plenty of time discussing what the requirements are, you know, going over what people have going on in reality and, you know, looking at what they would need to do to, to bring it up to code so they can use it the way they want to use it. Um, and, and we can talk about that all darn day. Um, and then at the end of the day, that person still has to decide if that's feasible for them and is what they really want and what their priority is. Um, and I would say that, most most existing addicts are going to have some problems. And so then it really becomes the, you know, getting down to what are what are the problems and what are the deal breakers? Um, is a deal breaker putting in a second staircase or is it not? Because some people are like, oh, yeah, no problem. I, I'm ready to do that. Second staircase, no big deal. And some people are like, absolutely not. That is not a possibility, which significantly limits what can be done in certain spaces. So, you know, we try to hit the big points first. Floor framing is the first one. Can this even carry a load or would you have to reframe your whole floor, put in new beams or something like that in Mm -hmm. order to get up there? And if that's the case, then that might right away, you know, tell you whether this is going to be a worthwhile project. So you go down the list in like the most with the most expensive Mm -hmm. and invasive things like do you have to do this? Okay, lucky you don't. Okay, you're okay there. Next thing about the stairs. Okay, you get to go to the next level. Right, right. (laughs) And I'm surprised sometimes at what the deal breakers are for people, but it's all very personal. You know, it's like some people don't care if it's a bedroom or an office. So maybe, you know, that's flexible. And and for some people, like, I need that bathroom. And if it can't go in that corner, then this whole project is off. And, And I get it. I understand, you know, and my job is just to help you see, see through the Pinterest illusions and get to the bottom of it. 
Well, okay. it's uh, so a bit. Let's. I, so I think we have a good idea of the challenges and the and the the hurdles we might face if we wanted to do that attic. Um, how many do you think? After you meet with these people at the counter, um, I first I'd imagine a lot. Do the, do people come in and ask like? Hypothetically, like <laughs> yeah, so, that, yes. so that they so don't. So there's this house. So that, that's right. not my house necessarily. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. So there's probably uh, some people uh, that, that ask these hypothetical questions because they are good people in their hearts. Um, but absolutely. Like, do you think ever there's there's some like, I would rather ask for forgiveness than permission going on with a lot of remodeling. That happens for sure. And and I've actually even had contractors call and ask, is it better to ask for permission or forgiveness? <laughs> like, if you're asking me, then. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it's always fair to come and ask questions. And I will tell you one thing. I'm not going to remember an address that you told me at the counter to ask me 10,000 questions because somebody's <laughs> going to ask me the same thing tomorrow. So it's it's really pretty safe to come in and be like, this is my address. What do you know about this? What can you tell me about what I can do there? And I will be happy to provide you a thousand hypotheticals and I will take zero notes (laughs) and I won't remember you the next day because I deal with hundreds of people every week. So if that provides any safety, it's a safe space to ask questions. (laughs) The, The people that have to ask for forgiveness are the folks that usually, again, benefit of the doubt. They didn't know there were a ton of regulations about whatever they were doing, whether or not they should have known, not for me to judge. If you get there and you didn't know, it doesn't matter if I forgive you because you still have to fix it. So, you know, pick your poison, I guess, at that point. Unfortunately, I've become one of those people that needs to or that needs to know or or now I know the now I know the difference. And I will be sitting in on your on your class on this very topic. Yes, uh, very in, good. In May, oh. as part of my continuing education for my dwelling contractor license. The attic is not necessarily going to be uh, an easy solution or the go-to space for an accessory dwelling unit. Um, but mm-hmm. but in oh, yeah. but it, mm-hmm. and we we did meet with Matt Tucker uh, a couple seasons ago to talk about about that. I'm wondering if uh, when we meet, if we might ask to meet with your counterpart that's going to talk more. That's going to cover the uh, changing your basement into a habitable space. Mm. Yes, you can elim- yes, and you we, can should, eliminate we should we should do a whole other issue. show on ADUs, right? <laughs> Right, well, and, exactly. And we might, because it has been some time since we had Matt Tucker in. I think it was just at the time that that was, was becoming a conform or a uh, uh, permitted use. Yeah. Yes, yeah. right, right. But yep. uh, I, I, I said, are, we would like to imagine the building inspection, and I imagine you would as well. You would like to, for us to imagine them as our friends. Oh gosh, yes. Yes. And uh and yes, sometimes the answers are going are not going to be the answers you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But they are so the true. answers and they will be delivered gently and right. and with with a smile. Yes. <laughs> and there's reasons yes. behind it too. It's and not that, like people are making arbitrary rules no, that's, about it's, what's happening. Right. Yeah. It's to keep us right. all safe. So we thank you very much Shannon for joining us and uh it's been fantastic and uh and and I'll see you in, uh, in class. And very soon. Yeah, see you in class. All right. Thanks <laughs> for having right. me. Thank you very much, Shannon. Again, you have a great day. All right. Take care. There's no way.
time for Phil's phone in. Phil Plort is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of dairy.com, and host of the brand new podcast, The Dairy Download. Keeping an eye on the faraway and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. Despite a lot of doom and gloom, despite legitimate concerns about the economy, despite higher interest rates, housing prices have not collapsed in the United States. How have we avoided a dire situation? In my estimation, tight supply is the predominant factor. There simply aren't many homes for sale. Oddly enough, interest rates may be one big reason. According to a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, as of March 31st, nearly two-thirds of primary mortgages in the U.S. carried an interest rate below 4%. Homeowners are understandably reluctant to trade out of houses with a 3.5% mortgage to buy a new place with a 6% or 7% rate. As the article put it, a lot of people are in golden handcuffs. The second big factor? We're not seeing much, if any, forced liquidation. When real estate crashed and burned between 2008 and 2010, bad loans and bad conditions drove foreclosures through the roof. According to Adam Data, the U.S. saw about 8 million foreclosures in that period, putting lots of properties into the marketplace. Contrast that with last year, when we had less than 325,000 foreclosures. And people aren't skating near the edge, either. Data from the New York Fed showed only six-tenths of 1% of mortgages in serious delinquency as of the end of the first quarter. That's a lot lower than the 4.7% total at the beginning of 2008 and 8.3% in the middle of 2009. Could things come unglued anew? Never say never. And make no mistake, prices could drift lower because affordability remains an issue. But the marketplace fundamentals are in a lot stronger place than they were 15 years ago. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, joining us also in studio today, Asher Messino. And uh, thanks to our guest, uh, Shannon Davis. Shannon Davis. Excellent. Ben, what was that? Planning level three. Planning level three. That's right. We, that, <laughs> um, was, that was the boss talking you know, right there I, at level I, three. We, we talked a little bit about the number of City Madison resources we've had on the program. Mm-hmm. And I think um, one that makes me feel a little fancy, like that... They they see this as a reasonable way to speak um, to to some of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for listening, and uh, and then thank thanks to our friends at the city for for seeing us as a reasonable venue yeah. or worth worth their time uh, to sit down and and play play our games. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking I was looking at the rules of the road here. So if my choice is to convert my attic to a habitable space, I got to think about stairs. Yeah, I got to think out. about ventilation. Yep, I got to think about windows, egress, how I get out, which is kind of the stairs, but also windows too. Mm-hmm. The load, the, the floor, load, the floor, if, yeah. if, if it can support it, and also the height of the ceiling. Yeah, like that seemed to be like the basics if you were to break it down. We're gonna, yeah, you'd get into, you'd get into all the other things. Yeah. about a space this big has this many outlets, this many switches, oh, this but, much oh, we didn't light, get this insulation. Right, yeah. You know, the ventilation. We talked yeah. about the window yep. opening, but we're also going to need a heat source. We're going to need heat. We're going to need electrical. We're going to need uh, so. Yeah, there's all kinds there's of things. There's lots but, of stuff in but, there. Yeah. Um, all of that can be added 
those first ones you mentioned are the are the ones that are going to be cost prohibitive and maybe yeah. and maybe make things hard. You know what? We should have asked Shannon if uh, Greg Brady's attic space was legit or not. Good question. That's got because that mean, was a very low slung roof. It was. I mean, it's Mike Brady was that. an architect too, yeah. so I'm you sure would hope the, he's following the rules. I'm sure the load calculations <laughs> were appropriate. But all right, well, so that, that was great, and another great resource, and some and some time with Shannon, who really was a a, a, a hoot. Yeah. Uh, so we give a big thanks to Shannon Davis for joining us today. Um, we want to thank uh, the musicians, the yeah. musicians you've been hearing throughout the podcast. Renclaw, El Donk, the Oak Street Ramblers. Bob Westfall, Seesaw, and the Mad City Jug Band. We want to thank you for tuning in today, even if it means a two-star review. Yeah. Uh, we feel still free. take it. <laughs> feel free. You know, nowhere to go but up. That's right. Uh, we, th- we thank Asher for dropping in. Uh, they, they were also uh, fun to have. Um, but we thank you, our listeners. Yeah, we do. And thank you, Ben. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608. Or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via email to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. Come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. And we could be taking that. And we could be Baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be.
waiting song.